From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me again today is Kelly Madrick, who covers the budget and appropriations process for CQ. Thanks for being here, Kelly. Always a treat, David. Last week, we saw a real divide among Democrats over fiscal policy that could have some significant political repercussions, which is what we want to discuss today. Because in the House last week, Democratic leaders wanted to pass a bill raising spending limits for the next two years, but they realized they didn't have enough votes for it. And that was mostly because of opposition from their party's liberal wing called the Progressive Caucus. And the fight is complicated, but basically, Democratic leaders have, have pushed for equal increases in defense and non-defense spending as they try to beat back Republican demands to cut non-defense programs. But Democratic liberals say that's not enough anymore, and they want even more money for non-defense programs. So the total non-defense spending would be the same as all defense spending, not counting the entitlement programs like Social Security. And Kelly, as you know, that's a huge difference because it amounts to tens of billions of dollars of extra spending each year if that were to happen. Huge. So give us a sense, how big is this fight getting and what does it say about where Democrats are heading here on fiscal policy? I mean, it was definitely enough to delay a vote on this two-year caps bill that the Democrats really wanted to at least put something on the record of where the House position is from the majority. And they couldn't do that. And they couldn't do it. And that's pretty critical because at this point, we're just starting to hear murmurs that the top leaders of the House and Senate and the president are discussing some type of adjustment to these austere caps. Again, they come from this 2011 deficit reduction law. They had a two-year agreement, but that expires at the end of September. So if they don't come up with some kind of deal, I mean, the cuts are going to be just as big as almost like what the Democrats are asking for, the really liberal progressive Democrats. Yeah, so they all agree they need to raise the spending limits, but they can't agree on how to do it. Yeah, and, and, and to me, one of the things that's remarkable is that if they don't come to agreement... I mean, the result would be catastrophic, right? So there's just a lot of posturing, and this is like a really, really kind of unique and weird way that they did it this week. But again, in immediate terms, like if the progressives got their way, that could be something as high as $30 billion a year increase in non-defense spending while defense remains flat. And in a Republican Senate, that's not going to fly. And so there was a strange kind of division that really showed that the Democratic Party has some has some, you know, soul searching to do if they really want to have a unified message to drive forward on the budget. And that's what floor procedures for. So the fact that the progressives and the blue dog Democrats who are angry about too much the blue spending, dogs are the more conservative, moderate type. Yeah, Democrats, yeah. And, you know, they were the ones who threatened to sink the rule for even proceeding with this bill before they even decided not to take it up. So there's some real divisions in the, in the party, but, but this was a real show of force, I thought, from the progressive side for the first time, really, that we've seen in years where they've made a difference. Because obviously before this year, we had Republicans controlling the House. This is the first year under Democratic control, and now we're looking at some of the, some of the same party splits that we saw on the Republican side is now on the Democratic side, where 
they just can't agree on 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 spend what what levels to spend at. Right? And I think it really does speak to the fact that the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is what's really energizing a lot of people. So, you know, their base wants to see more non-defense spending. And they don't really care about the mechanics that go into it. They don't care yeah. that there's a Republican Senate and a Republican president. Meanwhile, the more pragmatic members of the House, who are Democrats, who still understand they have some leverage to increase spending, are trying to do it in a way that they think might be acceptable, or at least as a starting point for negotiations. But what progressives want, it really begs the question whether, if they got what they want, if the Senate or the president would be able to go along with it in any fashion. And and no outcome is not a win. I mean, they're not going to win on getting more non-defense spending if they just don't get a spending deal at all. Right. And it shows how far the how far the party's moving because, you know, for years now, Democrats have focused on just preventing cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, with Trump in power, the whole push has been let, let's prevent these deep cuts from happening. Now, with Democrats in control of the House, you're seeing the more liberal wing say, no, not just, of course, we're not going to cut, but we want whole new levels of spending at much higher levels because we should say, I mean, they're pushing some pretty big uh, initiatives that are going to cost a lot of money, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it also kind of shows how, on the other hand, the House is giving a little bit more lip service to the rank and file. Mark Pocan, you know, who's one of the top progressive Democrats in the House of, of uh, Wisconsin, right. he said earlier this past week that, look, this is classic Trump-style negotiating. That's what he said to me. We want to have the best possible position we can going into these negotiations. We know the Senate will be where it's at. We know where Trump is at, but mm-hmm. we're the House, and why wouldn't we go in with the best possible, highest non-defense level we possibly can. I think we just have to have those conversations and get a little creative too. We had that parity. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why. It's not like a large leap that we're asking. We're asking to go back to a practice that was pretty normal for a very long time. And when he says he wants to start a conversation on this, they want a big conversation because they're trying to do some pretty big things. I mean, the Green New Deal is is, is a huge cost to, to fight climate change and Medicare for all costs trillions of more dollars. So they know, I think, that that's what they're trying to push the envelope for, right? Yeah, and I think starting small is a good way to go about it when you have this kind of burgeoning progressive movement. Um, you know, if they start getting to the point where they're trashing spending bills on the floor because they don't get what they want, that's a different strategy than what Mr. Pokem was was talking about, which is having a meeting with the appropriations chairwoman, talking to staff, you know, mentioning that there's a number of progressive members in the appropriations committee. So I think that, you know, they're kind of biting off a, a smaller piece of spending, this discretionary spending, because a lot of this Green New Deal, But it's their Medicare first real test all, of power, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So they did derail this bill. Yeah. And so it, it kind of shows that if the Democrats are going to move in a unified fashion on spending, um, that's not where they're at as a party right now. And I think that has some pretty big implications for how the negotiations go in the future, because if they actually passed a bill that was the sense of the House on defense and non-defense spending on the caps, the budget caps, I mean, that would be something that hasn't really been thrown out there before in budget negotiations and would give rank and file members kind of a a better grip on the budget 
discussion. But, but that's so not what meanwhile, happened. Kelly, Democratic leaders have a dilemma now, I think, on how to negotiate, right? Because they're torn they're torn between two poles. On the one hand, they have to work with Republicans to get a bipartisan deal. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, they've got their progressive wing pushing them to go farther to the left. Yeah, well So that's gotta be a tight balancing act, doesn't it? And sim- yes, but similarly, as very conservative Republicans have we seen for years have pushed budget levels down in the House. I mean, some of this is just kabuki. Some of this is just posturing. Yeah. And so the question is, at what time does the posturing end and deals actually get cut? And will progressives be able to swallow that? Because a lot of things point to the fact that the the progressives def- demand on non-defense while they have the strength in the house is going to be bucked in the other two big negotiating uh you know realms which is the senate and the presidency right so they know they're limited but meanwhile yeah. it, pre- it presents a tough negotiating stand for the house leaders to deal with it does i think it also gives them a little bit of cover in a sense because democrats can now label themselves as a big tent party exactly what republicans wanted to do too to try to gather more different types of viewpoints and kind of defend the diversity of the party so that's something that's very interesting to watch going forward as we look at what's going to happen with the budget and and senate majority leader mitch mcconnell has announced that they want to start bipartisan talks to raise spending caps setting new levels House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is involved in that. President Trump's involved in that. So we may see these talks get going. Uh, is it looking? I mean, positive more sign or for less April. Complicated now. Now that <laughs> positive sign for April, I would say, since uh-huh. we all know that the real fiscal deadline is toward the end of September. If we've got yeah. people in a room talking at the in the spring, when the fall is their deadline, that tells me one of two, like either one thing or the other. One. It could be that they have a good chance of striking a deal. Two, it could be that they're really afraid that they're not going to get a deal, and it could be really bad. So they're trying to kind of get all of the argument out now so they can extend yeah. And their we debate. should say they're just beginning to agree to hold talks. They haven't actually started talking. Very about. beginning. There's been no, like, real announcements made, although there's some talks of, like, various meetings and all that, but nothing formal. And again, this all happens behind closed doors, so... The floor vote in the House gave an interesting kind of insight into how rank and file members look at the budget that we don't typically get for all the gruff that Republicans gave Democrats about this caps bill, mainly because it wasn't a budget. It was a bill changing the spending caps. It was actually a pretty uh, more robust and deliberative process on the budget than we've seen in a while. Except they couldn't get it done. Except they couldn't get it done. And we know progressives aren't going to get most of what they want because they're asking for some big things, but they are at least now managing to change the conversation, right? Yeah, and you know, this is similar to other types of uh, progressive pushes that they've been making very publicly. You know, Medicare for All, the Green New Deal, these are all programs that are kind of so broad and so kind of at the visioning stage in a way that it's very unlikely that they're going to be implemented into rock solid policy at any time soon sure but, but because to... they're so big they're they want to set the stage now with these spending bills to get to persuade people to pump up this to pump up the money really it was a different way to see the conversation pushed in that direction and it will be interesting to see how progressives do that in the future especially when it comes to more spending bills so we'll be watching to see how house leaders accommodate their progressive faction 
and how much pressure they now the leaders face from liberals seeking much higher spending levels. And CQ will be covering it all for you as always. My thanks again to Kelly Majic, our dogged appropriations reporter for joining me. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks a lot. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes or find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more budget news, check out CQ.com or visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.